Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com, where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at Unabridged Pod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the Unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hi, welcome to Unabridged. This is episode 235, and today we are talking about some middle grade recommendations for 2022. Before we get started, we just want to say that we are excited for a new season. This is season six. We do have some changes happening for season six. So first, as you heard in the last episode, it's just going to be Ashley and me from now on. And Ashley is now living in South Carolina, and I'm still in Virginia. So that will be (laughs) a big change, I imagine, moving forward. We are making some changes to make things a little bit more manageable for us with our new separation and some new scheduling. So we are releasing twice a month from now on, on the second and fourth Wednesdays. So episodes will only appear on the second and fourth Wednesdays. And we are going to post a little less often on the blog on the first and third Wednesdays, but we will still release a book review every Friday. We are continuing with the newsletter that is still available. If you haven't subscribed, you can sign up at unabridgedpod.com. And we are reviving Patreon. So we are going to release new content on our Patreon each month. So if you love what we do and just want more unabridged, feel free to sign up on our website or you can go directly to patreon.com slash unabridged pod. We are still doing monthly buddy read and book club chats on Instagram at unabridged pod. We love that community there. So you can find us at unabridged pod on Instagram. And we do still have our reading challenge for 2022 going on. It's not too late to join. I think people are finding this one to push them a little bit, but there's probably a lot of reading you've already done this year that you could count for our reading challenge. And we're going to continue addressing some of the reading challenge categories like the episode today if you need a little help to meet that challenge. Be on the lookout for some select unabridged events. But, you know, what hasn't changed is we are still talking all things books all the time. So that is that is our one thing that has not changed for this season. <laughs> all right. To get started, we are going to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading? So I have not been on Instagram as much lately. A lot of you know that I have had a lot of life things happening and I'm hoping for a smoother sailing <laughs> in the future. But in the meantime, I did take a, a hiatus on my personal Instagram account, but I have still been reading. So I have lots of books that I want to share. But anyway, one of them that I have absolutely loved is the Truly Devious series. And I read the first Truly Devious book quite a while ago. And that's not true. Within the last year, it feels like it was a long time ago. (laughs) Anyway, um, so I read that one. And then I was not as captivated as I think a lot of people are. This is certainly a cult following kind of series. (laughs) And I enjoyed it, but I wasn't like, wow. And then I switched to the audio, which is done by Kate Rudd is the narrator. And I did that for book two. And from that moment, I very quickly finished the rest of the series on audio. So I absolutely loved it. And I did finish this one very recently. So I'm cheating a little bit, but I wanted to share The Box in the Woods is Maureen Johnson's fourth one in the series. It is 
the same characters who are the core cast from her original series, but it is a different setting and it's a different mystery. So the first three are really tightly woven. There was an incident that happened in the 1930s and the kids are in the present day. They are teenagers living and going to the school where the event had happened in the 1930s. And this one, Stevie Bell is the main character. She's still the central character in this story, but she did such a great job with the mystery that took place at Ellingham Academy, which is the school that she was contacted by a camp owner who had purchased a campsite where this atrocious series of murders occurred years before, and those had never been solved. So he renames the camp and tries to move forward, but he's concerned that if this mystery never gets resolved, that his camp is going to continue to suffer from this kind of negative legacy of this one atrocious event. Four teenagers were killed all at once. It was brutal, and they never solved the case. So he recruits Stevie and her friends to come and be camp counselors, but he wants that her to also, while she's there, work on sleuthing to solve the mystery. And just like I loved in the other ones, I think Maureen Johnson paints such rich characters who are so fascinating, who are interesting people. Stevie deals with anxiety in a pretty profound way in her life. And so one of the things I love about the books is the way that Johnson shows what that is like for Stevie and how she navigates it. And then she also is just a brilliant, very observant young person who is able to look at crimes in a detached way that enables her to see things other people have not seen. But she also grapples with the humanity of it and the people who are connected to the events and what that means. And so I just think all of that is really richly done. So I absolutely love that series. I hear there might be a fifth and I'm very excited for that possibility because I am each book I loved more, which I think is just because I came to love the characters. I think they're all well done, but I think I came to love them more and more. And so I just really enjoyed all of them. So that one that I finished very recently is Maureen Johnson's The Box in the Woods. And again, it's in the Truly DV series, but it is, it's a little outside of that first trilogy. You know, I love that series so much. I have reviewed that on the website. We'll have to link in the show notes. But yeah, I think Maureen Johnson is just brilliant. So I am in for all the sequels. (laughs) (laughs) Same. I was like, oh, I'm so sad that this is over. (laughs) Uh What about you, Jen? What are you reading? So I am reading, I'm almost done with Elliot Strafer's Queer Ducks and Other Animals, The Natural World of Animal Sexuality. And I'm a little torn on format here. So I'm listening to the audiobook, which is phenomenal. It's got a full cast and the different voices really do a lot of great work. But I know that the form, the printed format features a lot of illustrations that I just don't have access to. So I'm sure they're a great addition, but the audio is great. So this one is a YA nonfiction book in which Schrafer digs into scientific reporting, scientific papers about instances of homosexuality, bisexuality, everything on the LGBTQ spectrum in the animal world. And it is really fascinating. First of all, just the science is fascinating. And 
he is such a compelling writer. So I've read a lot of his fiction books before, which are great, but it's really fascinating to see the assumptions that we make about the animal world. And he also digs into the history of the way that humans talk about sexuality in the animal world and in the human world. And that a lot of the things that people talk about when they are against homosexuality for humans is that it's just not natural. And then he's here proving with this book that it is natural. There's a lot of really interesting commentary on the way that we use language to talk about things in a way that can make them seem outside of the realm of what is normal and how different it would be if we just acknowledge what is actually happening in the animal world. So I am finding it to be number one, informative, number two, really, really just thought provoking. And I appreciate There are a lot of interviews that he does with scientists who are working in the fields today. It's studying different species and the practices of different species. So it has interviews. It's kind of a multi-genre approach to nonfiction that I just think is so compelling. So yeah, while I wish I had a print copy to read along with the audio, again, the audio has, I think it has six different narrators And they do a fabulous job of bringing this book to life. And this is one I'm reading as part of a buddy read. So I'm really looking forward to discussing this with a group on Bookstagram. It is, it is great fun. So yeah, that is Elliot Schrafer's Queer Ducks and Other Animals, The Natural World of Animal Sexuality. That one sounds fascinating, Jen. I saw that cover and was really captivated by the cover and the title, mm-hmm. but it is interesting to hear the details a little bit more about what it addresses because, you know, I wasn't sure what the scope was like, but that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, Sounds fascinating. really good. All right. Well, we are going to move on to our main segment, which is about middle grade recommendations. So these are going to be books by authors of color. And we have done middle grade recs before, but this one is great. If you're doing the Unabridged Podcast Reading Challenge, which I mentioned earlier, this is one of our categories this year. And so both of the recs we're going to offer would work for that. So Ashley, what are you recommending? So I wanted to share one that I absolutely loved. And I talked about it on a bookish check-in back when I read it because I was just like, oh my gosh, this is such a great book. But I wanted to share it because I think that this is a great pick for this category. It's Casing Calendars, King and the Dragonflies. So this one centers on Kingston James, who is 12 at the time that the book starts. And he has, he had an older brother, Khalid, who died and he is grieving. He feels alone and he's really just struggling with the ramifications for that. He really admired his brother very much. And at the beginning, it's not clear what happened to his brother, but we just know that he was abruptly gone. And so one part of the book is centered on that and centered on, on King's feeling that he believes, and you can tell this right at the beginning of the book, he believes that his brother became a dragonfly when he died. And so there's kind of this, desperate pursuit to find his brother. So he goes to, he lives in Louisiana. He goes to the bayou areas where the dragonflies are, and he's always like looking to try to find his brother. And so there's both like peace, but also reckoning with that whole process as he grieves his brother. So that's one component. But another thing that's happening is he has a couple of friends at school 
who are his good friends. And yet one of them, so Kingston is black and they're in the deep South in Louisiana. It's a very racist area. One of his best friends is a white boy, Sandy, and they've been dear, dear friends, but Sandy's family is awful. And so his older brother is really racist. And then their dad is, I think he's the sheriff. He is a police officer in the area and has a lot of power. So I think he's the sheriff. So his dad is racist, cruel, but also very powerful. And at the beginning, we can tell that Sandy and King were really good friends, but something has happened and we don't quite know. But as you're unpacking, it happens pretty quickly that you find out that King found out that Sandy thinks he might be gay. Again, they're quite young. They're you know, they're 12. And Sandy trusted him with this secret. And Khalid finds out before he dies. And he tells King not to be friends with Sandy anymore. And that happens very shortly before his brother dies. So King has all these like mixed up feelings related to this. So he has this like big secret that was been, that was told to him in confidence he has a lot of feelings that come with that, that we're unsure what all those feelings are, but he's definitely like got a lot going on in his own response to Sandy's truth. But then also his brother told him this thing and then his brother died. So lots packed in there, but because of that, his friendship with Sandy has fallen apart. He is trying to honor what Khalid said. And then meanwhile, he needs a friend. So there's just this like emptiness of him having lost his best friend, lost his brother, For sure, the kids at school don't have any idea what he's going through. And so that's happening. Well, Sandy and King used to spend a lot of time in a tent in King's backyard. And they would like spend the night out there. And that was one of the things they did together. Well, one day, Sandy has disappeared. And King finds him in the tent. And he's hiding there from his father, who it turns out is abusive. And so things unpack from there. So everybody is looking for Sandy. The whole town is looking for him. And yet he is scared to go home because his dad is abusive. And so it's definitely, I mean, there's just, I think what I absolutely loved about it is that it is such a complex story, but Calendar has a way of showing everyone's side and how there's not always a right answer. And it is hard to know what to do. And so I think like, you know, for instance, I think we as the reader can feel pretty judgy about King being unkind to Sandy. And yet Calendar shows how King came to that moment and like why he turned away from Sandy, but also how horrible that was for Sandy and how painful it was. And so I feel like that's what Calendar does so well is takes these really complex situations and is able to show the underside of all of that. And it also is about like, I mean, King has to start confronting questions of his own identity. He has to struggle with how to trust people when you are grieving, when you are alone, like how to find a way to get help from adults. And I just liked all of that. So I thought it was really rich. Like for me as a reading experience, I loved it. But I also love it as a middle grade novel because I think that it shows kids how complicated race and racism are and how that can really affect us in ways that we don't know. And same with sexuality, that those things are complex and that they can affect the way we interact with each other. And sometimes in ways we don't fully understand. And then also like what, how do you trust someone? How do you get help for people who are in trouble? I really liked all of that because I think that's something kids struggle with is when you have 
a friend who is in trouble, but is begging you to keep a secret, what do you do with that? What do you do with that secret? How do you help them and and also keep them safe? So I just felt like it is not a long book, but it is so powerful, so beautifully written. And I just found that it was deeply impactful because it, I mean, Calendar in a very authentic way takes on so many issues in the book of grief, of race, of racism, of sexuality, of coming of age, like all those things are interwoven in this really beautiful story. So again, that's Case and Calendars, King and the Dragonflies. And for sure, five-star read for me, I thought it was phenomenal. So I would highly recommend it. Oh my gosh, that sounds so good. I really want to read that. I recently read Calendars, Felix Ever After, which I absolutely loved on audio. And so I just have Calendars whole backlist on my TBR now. So I definitely want to get to King and the Dragonflies. Yes, I will be here for everything that they write. I just think that I love the storytelling. I'm impressed how different those two stories are from each other in so many ways. And yet both of them address such important issues in just such an authentic way. What about you, Jen? What's your recommendation? So I'm recommending Varsha Bajaj's Count Me In. And this one is the story of two middle schoolers, Karina and Chris. And they were friendly when they were in elementary school. And then Chris, who is white, got pulled into a group of boys and they sort of target other students for teasing and bullying. And Karina, who is Indian, is one of their targets. And when that happens, Karina is just done with Chris. And so they are next door neighbors, but, and their parents were never really friends. It was really just them who were friends. And so once their friendship is over, they just don't see each other anymore beyond, you know, they're on the bus together. They're in the same class in middle school. And that changes when Karina's grandfather moves to the United States from India and is living with Karina's family. So there's a conversation one day and her grandfather, who was a teacher, finds out that Chris is failing math and offers to tutor him. And so Chris suddenly is coming over to Karina's house on a regular basis, which, of course, does not make Karina happy at all. But when that's happening, she's reminded of all of the things that she liked about Chris when they were friendly and they, they start to become, you know, at first they're just like cordial to each other and then they become friends again. So one day they are walking together. So it's Karina, Chris and Karina's grandfather. And this man stops his car and gets out and confronts them and assaults Karina's grandfather. And I mean, it is, it is horrific. So I will say if you have sensitive readers, that scene in particular, you probably want to prepare them for. It's not overly explicit, but it is clear that he is violent and that Karina's grandfather is hurt. And Karina and Chris are very scared and it's just horrible. But the rest of the book then deals with the aftermath of this incident. And you see, so the book switches between Karina and Chris's perspectives. And so you see the way that each of them is trying to understand what happened and trying to figure out what they can do to help Karina's grandfather and to bring attention to what happened. 
And just to figure out how, when you're a kid of that age, you can do something to make a difference and to speak out against things that happen in a realistic way. So, you know, there, I, I thought that Bajaj handled that in a really great way. It's not that we're set out with this agenda that no middle schooler could ever do. It felt very empowering. And yeah, I just thought that the way the story unfolded was great that the ups and downs of Karina and Chris's friendship is dealt with in a really realistic way. Karina's grandfather is a great character. He's just really sweet, but you also see how difficult it is for him. You know, he's just moved to the U.S., he already was dealing with all of this upheaval. And so then to have something like this happened is so devastating. So it, it's treated with the seriousness it deserves. And yet again, as I said, in a way that is accessible to middle grade readers. So I just, I really loved it. So that is Varsha Bajaj's Count Me In. Wow, Jen, I have not heard of that one. And I love, you know, you know that I love books that empower young people and that both can show in a meaningful way, some of the hardships that people encounter, but also the actions that young people can take to feel more, I don't want to say in control, because I feel like it's not that you're in control, but at least that you can respond in positive and meaningful ways when something happens. And by doing that, bring about change, which I think is really awesome. I picked it up at the Green Valley Book Fair and (laughs) on a whim, kind of. It has this really great cover. You should definitely look it up if you're listening. And it, it, the Green Valley Book Fair is this place where you can get amazing books for a low, low price. And so I saw the cover and I was like, yes, I'm going to read it, even though I also didn't know anything about it. But it is, yeah, it turned out to be a great pick. So we are going to end our episode today with our Give Me One segment. And today's is Give Me One pet story. So what is one pet story you would like to share? So one story that I think people might not know is a lot of people will know that we have Allie, who is our dog. And we got her when my youngest daughter was like one year old. So they have been best buds forever. But when my when Mahan started wanting to get a dog, he started watching in the fall saying we would get one in the summer. So he started watching. I mean, he probably started after Thanksgiving and shortly before Christmas, we had an appointment, we had an appointment to go see a puppy at the adoption, you know, at, at one of the adoption fairs. And so he was like, we're just going to look. Well, it was shortly before Christmas. So my dad was also here. And when we went, my dad went with us and it turned out that the puppy that we were going to see also had a sister and my dad who lives alone and is an older man was entranced by by the sister. And so we actually brought home not just one dog, but two and they are sisters. And so we have Allie and Jenny and listeners may not know that Mahan and my dad named them. And so Allie is actually, her full name is Alabama. And Jenny, her full name is Virginia. And that is because they are in the opposite states of those locations. And so um, just a sweet story about how we grew our families. And, you know, we adore Allie, but Jenny is definitely my dad's like whole world. So it's very sweet. What about you, Jen? What's one pet story? So I just want to acknowledge my sweet dog, Jax, who is our current dog, who we love very much. But I'm actually going to share a story from my childhood and our basset hound named Copper. He was really sweet, very sweet dog. And one of my responsibilities 
was to walk Copper around our yard. And I was in elementary school and I was, I weighed absolutely nothing. So, which is important context. So one day I got this great idea that it would be more efficient for me to walk with Copper if I tied her leash to my belt loop because then my hands would be free. I don't know why I felt the need to have my hands free while I was walking. Anyway, so I did that and (laughs) Copper saw a rabbit in our big backyard and took off. (laughs) I had no muscle control at all. So I felt like it looked like a cartoon of her like bounding through the yard after this rabbit pulling me behind. And I was totally, my free hands did absolutely no good at this point because once I was off my feet, so yeah, eventually, you know, the rabbit got away, copper did stop. No one was injured in the story, but it was, (laughs) there's a picture of my sister and me walking copper. And every time I see it, I think about, yeah, being swept off my feet by my sweet, sweet basset hound. <laughs> so yeah, that is my story. Well, we are going to ask for your pet stories on Monday on social media. So get your pictures ready. We would love to see your current pets. I'll share a picture of Jax and maybe I'll take one up of Copper too. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.